This episode is powered by Poddex. This episode is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episodes starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience or get more engagement, you want to check out poddex.com. Use the promo code TALKPOPPAS, T-L-K-P-O-P, for 10% off your first order. Poddex are the hottest new tool for podcasters looking to have more meaningful conversations or gamify their podcasts. Simply shuffle up. Ask a question, let the content roll. Get yours today at poddex.com and use the promo code TALKPOP, that's T-A-L-K-P-O-P, for 10% off your order. Now let's get on with the show. Hey everybody, happy Tuesday. Once again, it's time for Talking Pop. It's the podcast, all things pop culture. I'm your host, the franchise coach. Joining me is my co-host, Biko. Hello. Guys, we're going to do something that we hardly ever do. We're going to focus on the subject, well, most of the episode on the subject, called music. And, of course, um, if you guys were still in a state of shock as of yesterday, I'm going to turn it over to Biko so he can let you know what happened in the music world because he's more of a music guru in the sense of the team. Um, so, it was announced yesterday, Monday being February 22nd, uh, that a prolific electronic duo known as Daft Punk have uh, recalled, called it, not quits I can say, but sort of <clears throat> retired from that artist's project that they've been working on for several years now. They, I mean, they put out, luckily they put out a video for everyone to see, kind of send them off properly, and they dropped a video on their YouTube channel uh, with it's got over like four million subscribers on it alone, but they they dropped a a little a quick video like nine minute video on it called Epilogue, which kind of de doesn't really detail much, but it it was like a proper send off for what they were trying to accomplish. And if you watch the video, uh, it's it's the are the two familiar androids that were known throughout the years as what their symbol is 
for the band. Um, they've been around since 1993. Uh, if you guys aren't familiar with who they are, uh, let me see if I don't pull up their. I had their Wikipedia page up. Okay. Um, but at least from how, like to paraphrase, uh, there are there are two French house DJs who have been in the scene for quite a while now. Um, but they first got together as Daft Punk in 1993 and started making music together. Um, and I know the, the, not the guys' names, I have them too. So it's, uh, Guy Manuel de Holman Cristo and Thomas Bangalter. Uh, they, they formed in 1993. See, and obviously they, they got a big popularity boost when they kind of brought the French house movement over here to the States and as well as in their own country of France. Um, because they, they did something that not a lot of people were doing in the late, I want to say mid to late nineties, as far as electronic music was concerned, because in those days, electronic music was still very much coming up, but it was still very underground. You didn't have a lot of people really playing that type of music on the mainstream radios. We were still playing um, your typical rock. Uh, the alternative scene kind of took over as far as rock was concerned. Um, Hip-hop was still around with the influences of um, of the careers of Notorious B.I.G. and Tupac. And, and rap and rock have always kind of been those two pillars of, of a musical genre and culture that is still continuing to this day. Um, with the latter being that hip-hop has kind of taken over as the mainstream sort of influence in music um, and rock and roll's kind of taken a back seat uh, which is not unprecedented I just saw that the way the culture was shifting and, and based on my own musical um, influences and what I like that's kind of I saw it coming but um when it pertains to electronic music Daft Punk hands down kind of went and shifted the way it was one produced and second bringing their their love of just coming in with the DJ uh, skills and because that's how they started just two French DJs out from the from a good part of the 80s and the 90s and so they what they did what what made their music special is that they they combined the elements of house music with funk techno disco rock and synth pop and um, with their first album coming out that was released on Virgin Records was called the first at least full complete studio debut album was Homework, um, and it was super popular. I think it kind of helped put it didn't put them on the map per se, but it definitely got them in people like listening. Their stuff was in the clubs, right? So right here it just says. They they had an indie rock band before this actually oh, wow, happened. Really? They were part of it. Yeah, um, Bangholzer and Home, they were both in it called an uh, indie rock band in France called Darwin, and then they disbanded. But then them two together, like they they didn't want to necessarily split, so they started experimenting with drum machines and synthesizers, and then they this is what led to the creation of their debut album Homework which was released on Virgin Records in 1997 to positive reviews, and it was backed by the singles, which, I mean, if you guys are familiar with them, um, Around the World was a, definitely a popular song by them. You, I heard them in, I think the first time I ever heard that song was in a Nickelodeon commercial. Um, yeah, I kind of heard about it that a too. Lot. Yeah, I, I actually heard that more when I was like around, I think I was like an eighth grade or something. Yeah. Because... Yeah, cause they, they they even though they came out in '93, they started playing more of that like around like late '90s, on, especially on television. 
or even school. I'm not at school. Like when I think when we had like school functions or something. I remember one time it was like a trip to oh, I forgot what city what what city we did for like a school trip for like eighth grade and um, they had like the last night what well, they had like a little gathering or something and they were playing that song and I was like that song was kind of catchy so there was were, were like a variety of music they were playing um, mostly dance music but they, they the one that when it got later it started playing that that sound and I didn't know about that punk at all I just recognized that one song around the world and. Same thing too. I read about them as well. I was going through it because that's mostly your what people were talking about yesterday with the Jeez. breakup. Yeah. And even on Reddit, they were showing the how they took like how they took samples from certain like beats and kind of like retool them to say like restructure them. Very simple too. Like very simple beats it. from like old songs that probably were public domain that weren't even used anymore, and they were able to take that certain beats just to build rhythm around the song. I like reworking them and just like because they showed one example I think someone put on Reddit how they showed how they did with that one more time mm-hmm. how it, it, it was taken from I forgot the name of the song they took some of the it was, a, it was a, a, an old school soul soul song um, yeah very fast paced so like back with elements of like very very close to what the stuff that James Brown was putting and then just the way they flipped it which is very like as far as sampling like that was the way they even made that simple they kind of broke it in like three steps, flipped it over, and then just took parts of that and the way to combine it was. And, and think about this, this was in the '90s, so like mm-hmm. sampling wasn't it wasn't a rarity because uh, a lot of hip hop DJs were doing that to kind of give the rise of hip hop and rap. But um, for for it to be used in dance music was something that mm-hmm. like not only was it, it it was something that wasn't really in absorbed in the mainstream for america just yet right so you got um with the release of homework in 97 they they still weren't seen right they were still wearing the 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 classic helmets the full outfit to assume you know robot personas in the public appearances until 1999 and they still continue to do that um the only thing there was only references to how they actually officially look like was old photos they had old personal photos they had taken back then in like the 80s and then coming up in the clubs in the 90s uh, i saw a video yesterday of i think it was bang halter he was at like uh he was at some music he was at some club spinning right and he was putting like he was he had like three turntables going and one of them was playing a, a pretty good house beat and then he started putting these weird synthesizers on the top of it from another record and then another one and you just see there's like a guy behind him in the background with this like puzzled face looking at him like what the fuck is this like i've never heard this before and so to see that right away they're just not only their prowess with with um crew sampling and, and producing these songs because they're very crisp like a lot of the music they do make um, the layering is just seeing the trajectory and the evolution they've had from the beginning to um, Random Access Memories, which is being their complete, I want to say, their tr- last trilogy album, considering all the other stuff they've been working on. But that for them, under the Daft Punk moniker, uh, is that, and mind you, that album was released in 2013, so that's already eight years old. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, it's insane to think about that. So, but um, for them to. Essentially, they haven't really done anything since then, right? To to the mainstream's knowledge, uh, they've they actually been producing, right? They did the the two they helped with the two tracks for the weekend for his Starboy album, which they're still they just broke. Um, 
I think Sarma became one of the highest streaming song on the Spotify's platform. And then uh, I feel it coming just reached that point as well. So like it's they didn't drop off the face of the earth. It's just that they're very selective on who they work with. And I think leading up to Random Access Memories when we started seeing them work with more mainstream artists, right? Um, so it's it's for to see from like just two guys kind of uh, start off doing their own lane, right? Carving their own lane with uh, well, and then the the release of their second album, Discovery, which God is still one of my favorites. Oh um, yeah, my favorite of all too. time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just because they had every track on that every track on that album is it it, it completes it and complements itself so well with each one. It's all very unique. Uh, one more time. I think it's because is, the, the, the because of the way it transitions to different songs. Yeah, it it's, it it tells a story without even having that, and then with Interstellar five 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 getting is, brought in, which is an original anime, um, which got people to realize it was the first anime music video. Yeah, was, yeah, exactly. Because now you got nowadays with YouTube and stuff, now with editing tools. Oh yeah, people do that. People shit do all the that time. a lot of time, but that to me was the true. And it's a, basically Interstellar fifty five five five. It's probably like you can probably find it on YouTube, like the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, you can. But. Just I remember that video one more time. Yeah. Just that song, but I mean, it complements even the visuals so well. And to have an anime studio to actually like you know do it around that whole album itself it was it was basically like a musical. It was just like a musical opera, basically, but in anime mm-hmm. form. And you know, it tells a good story. You know, there's this interstellar band that pretty much you know try to spread peace and stuff with music, and it works so well. I mean, the visuals were great, you know, that I mean, you can watch it now. It's like, I think I was watching that yesterday, too. It's just watching, like, watching the that as well. And kind of, like, preparing a transition to, like, the next song, like, Aerodynamic and stuff. Because that's a really good song as well. Um, but, yeah, One More Time is, like, one of my favorites from them as well. Besides the one in the world. Aerodynamics and Over 2. Um, Superheroes is a good one as well. But, yeah, I love that album, Discovery. Because it's, like, because, like I said, I'm not, when it comes to music for me, um, when it comes to music taste, I kind of like electronic, but to me, I hold them as one of my top, you know, picks for like, when it comes to like house music, electronic music, it was really that fun. Um, with me, I'm more like, you know, rock, classic rock. I mean, I do listen to some hip hop and stuff, but I think when it comes to like electronic music, that was that fun to me is like one of the, to me, I have it, I, I hold it to like high regard when it comes to electronic music. Besides Dead Mouse. <laughs> right. I mean, if, I think too. I would not imagine like Dead Mouse was like inspired by them as well, or influenced by them as well. I think how long Dead Mouse has been around as well. I mean, almost eh, a little more than a decade, to be honest. Uh, but that's the thing is that a lot of these groups, they it's hard to pinpoint their their origins or when they actually started because it's until they kind of get maybe push up a label, and obviously back then it's different than comparing it to how people can distribute their their music and stuff nowadays it's you're pretty you're pretty free reign to do that you don't necessarily need a label anymore um the work still needs to be made on on both sides but you don't you don't necessarily need a label anymore um you can there's so many distribution channels that you can you have access to now to as long as you just put in the work make a product and and then build your fan base right so that's through social media um, social media, trying to get on, on playlists on Spotify, just trying to push your music out, trying to find, I want to say, collaborative groups that can help kind of push that. And, and you got to market yourself. And that's something that the labels obviously have 
their their platforms and means to do that and to push it a little farther but um considering that these guys were doing it in the mid to late 90s and kind of creating their own music that yes house music's been around since the 80s uh and to this day like with electronic music it's it's popular like people listen to it we see the influences on on all sides of the aisle now you see you see electronic um I want to say electronic influences in rap songs. You see it in, in rock songs even too. Uh, you you see it. You also see it a lot in in just R and B and soul too. So like that, the elements are there. Um, but what what made, I think also what made Daft Punk special is the fact that they were able to combine all these elements. Um, and and considering that French disco is still very popular over there, um, mm-hmm. and that there's still there's still a scene for that, and they kind of took their love of that and house and funk and put it all together and then putting their own spin on synth records and, and just like putting pop elements in there that made it accessible for others who just like who just don't want to hear an electronic beat they if they if they want to get some sort of songwriting in there too they gave that to you um even when they were working with mainstream people like pharrell and uh julian casablanca's uh like you they or even the weekend for that matter, considering how big he is now. Um, you see that they they were still able to put their touch, um, and 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 it showed why they were successful in the first place. And and I think that also speaks highly of how uh, critically picky they were with with their collaborations. I mean, half of the stuff they did with too with Nile Rodgers are, are excellent stuff. Nile Rodgers being of chic from the seventies and during the disco movement as well. So like their collaborations with them and, and Todd Edwards and, and just seeing all these great people kind of work with them and, and have nothing but positive things to say with them is just amazing. Uh, it's about, I mean, their stuff got Demel samples as well. Thanks. Oh, yeah. Kanye West with the song yeah. Stronger where he took a lot of samples from that punk themselves. Yeah. With the song like Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger. But taking that as well, giving that a little spin, him giving his own little taste of it, his own spin of it as well kind of helped. Them as well because it kind of he had that familiar sound, but same thing. It's because I think they do that as like sampling. Like to me, it's more like a tribute or like just showing who you're influenced by. Yeah, and everyone does it. Um, it's it's everyone does it. Like there's there's I mean hip hop's founded on that. Uh, electronic music to this day, there's still um you still need a sample. You still need and like you said, it shows influence on what you're doing because. Nothing's nothing's necessarily original, guys. It's all about like a big part of music production is arrangement, and and you can have a good kick drum, but there's some certain elements that you might not it may not sound good because like you can you can put a bunch of shit together, but it doesn't make a song, right? You, there still have to be some sort of you're supposed to be telling something at the end of the day. Um, I know there's people who who like music that you don't really have to think too much about, but there's others who want something that challenges them, that gives them perspective. Um, and I think Daft Punk did that in, in their songs because not one song is the same. No. Uh, even even from the beginning to what we got from Random Access Memories, we really saw them come into their element in their own when they started incorporating like orchestral elements to their songs. Uh, and then having um, Giorgio Moroder kind of come in because he was a big influence on them and, and just in, in electronic music in general from the 70s and on. Uh, who like it, it was amazing to see that happen um and then just like i, I wanted to see read some accolades here like because i remember 
So their Alive 2007 live album was, it's still one of like the best fucking sets I've ever seen. Um, I didn't get to go obviously, but like you can see, you can catch it on YouTube. Um, it, it, it's just amazing because they combined their own, they mixed their own music with together. Most of it is their own tracks and, and they kind of started meshing them all together into one. And, and it just, it was, it's just so powerful. And I think that's what kind of helped also push them into the mainstream and push electronic in the mainstream because even they got a they won a grammy award for best electronic dance album because of that live album and then which led to them scoring the tron legacy movie in 2010 um for disney so like they they were able to get that disney check yeah. too yeah be able to like going to like a like going for a film like get up a you know movie like tron you know tron itself was one of the first films to use computer-generated graphics. Because at that time when that film was made, I think Tron, let me look it up. Look up Tron. Let's see, Tron. It's... Yeah, it was made in 1982. So basically that film was one of the most innovative movies ever. I mean, based on the budget, it had $17 million on the budget. But to me, I see it as an underrated film because of the fact that, you know... At that time, they were experimenting with, you know, computer-generated graphics because, you know, at that time, computers at that time were mostly just, just used for data entry and, you know, for business purposes. They never thought, you know, because back then movies were nothing but practical effects and visual effects were like a primitive style, you know, with the stop motion with Harry Hauser, with the stop motion stuff like, you know, Jason Argonauts or Clash of the Titans. Then you're going to come around with a movie like this, like 1982, like, hey, why you take the concept... It was an interesting concept, basically, you know, what happens if a computer gets sentience and, you know, what happens if a person gets transported to another world, to the digital world. And seeing that and and the whole beats and everything, like even the music at that time in Tron was almost like synthesized electronic music. So you, you, you hear a lot of that electronic music at its dormant stage in that film itself. So with uh, that, like I said, being a film like, like Tron... And most of that film was filmed in a certain way until later on it got polished up and had like effects all done by computers. Mm-hmm. And that film had went on to get a nomination for Best Costume Design, Best Sound, and the 55th Academy Awards. Of course, um, you had um, Jeff Bridges in there, um, David Warner, really good cast. And like I said, and if you want to watch that, check it out on Disney+. Plus. You can actually check out also Disney Archives. Um, that's a good show. It's a good Disney Plus original because um, they, the one episode is focused on trying. They talk to everybody that worked on that film. They even talk to the, the writer, the director of the film as well, and how it was innovative at that time and you know, computer <laughs> graphics, you know. But definitely, and of course, you know, it leads to like you said, Tron Legacy, getting Daft Punk to to do the music. Not only do the music, but also appear in it as well. People keep forgetting they actually made a cameo in the film. Oh, so, okay, so this is something I didn't know. Holy shit. Okay, so, um, something that, so in the beginning of the career, right? So, 87, yeah. 92. So, I mentioned that they were, they had started that band, him, um, Thomas Bongalter and Guy Holm. They were in an indie band, indie rock band called a, uh, Darlin', right? After the Beach Boys song of the same name. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that Brankowitz was the third member who was the lead singer of Phoenix. Really? So... I fucking, and I fucking knew he was old enough for that. But um, it says right here, 
And they also got the name Daft Punk because of a, a negative re- review in the Melody Maker by David Jennings. He subsequent, subsequently dubbed the music, which is their indie band, the indie rock band. They were, they were all three of them were in a Daft Punky thrash. Instead of dismissing the review, they found it amusing. As Home Crystal stated, we struggled so long to find the name Darlin, and then this happened so quickly. Darlin soon disbanded, leaving Brankowitz to pursue other efforts with Phoenix. See? And then a bank holder and Home Crystal formed Daft Punk and experiment with the drum machines and synthesizers. So it's insane. And, and um, Phoenix is actually another band of mine that I truly love, and so it's kind of cool. I never knew that. Um, see, you learn something every day. And then from then, once they went to Homework, that's when they started really hitting the main, their, the mainstream drive. But uh, it's interesting to see that, yeah, like, see some of these guys, they they come around. But um, I think they they stopped doing the indie rock because Bangholzer had mentioned that he said uh, he felt that the rock and roll thing we were doing was pretty average. I think it was just so brief, maybe six months. We made four songs and they just played two gigs and that was it. And then after they received that review, right? So they've always, they've always kind of were pretty... You see, they were pretty self-aware of the stuff they're making, but it seemed like right then and there, they were always wanted to have... They always wanted to, I think, something that's been lacking in a lot of artists these days, uh, that get put in the mainstream. And, and no power to them, right? They, have, they are part of a vehicle they have no control over when it comes to major labels. But one thing is, is that the sense of, of purpose behind what they're doing, um, I think, or just being critical of their own work. And understanding, like, just because you put something out, you, you should feel something. And then um, there's there's an interesting picture they used uh, because they got a write-up in Mix Mag magazine after the release of Homework, right? Mm-hmm. And it's got two of them uh, both wearing, like, those uh, those Japanese demon masks kind of covering their face, right? And they have a quote that says, there's nothing to follow here. There are no rules anymore. So that's what I really liked. Um that I think doesn't get emphasized in when it comes to making music is that there's no rules to it because mm-hmm. um, music is subjective just like any other art form is it's all subjective so to see that they like maintain their I guess their sleuthiness from not from having the the robot helmets and and never being showing their face but uh interesting to see that yeah just led them to making a film score uh, which was actually really excellent, by the way. Um, they've had a deluxe edition they released on, and all, all the albums are streaming on Spotify. I know some of the early EP tracks they released back in the early '90s too, like Alive and Music. They're on there and Spotify as well if you use it. I'm not sure about Apple Music because I don't use it. Um, look, they're featured in video games uh, back when DJ Hero. So one of those oh guitar was DJ a Hero. Yeah. So they provided. The right here is that they provide 11 new mixes for its music for the video game DJ Hero, and they also appear in the game as playable characters along with a unique venue. The duo appears wearing its Discovery Era helmets and Human After All Era leather attire, and then they play their likenesses for the sequel of DJ Hero 2, which includes a remix version of the song Human After All, which is another popular track by them. Um, let's see, in 2010, they so after the release of Tron Legacy. They went on to do a lot of like orchestral works and collaborated with Joseph Trapanese. The band collaborated with him for two years on a score. So you could see them already kind of moving that direction, right? Just like producing um, and like composing. And, yeah, for, and like, working. Films or works. Yeah, kind of having those influences there. And it says right here in 2010, Daft Punk were admitted into the Audrey. This is some French, so I'm going to probably butcher Audrey, the Arts et Littres, in order of a merit in France. Bang Halter and Home Crystal were individually awarded the rank of Chevalier which is knight in French, 
in October that year, and they made a surprise guest appearance during the encore of Phoenix's show at Madison Square Garden oh, in New nice. York City. They played a medley of Harder, Harder Better, Faster, Stronger around the world before the song uh, segued into a Phoenix song, 1901. And the duo also included elements of their tracks, Rock and Roll, Human After All, as well as Bang Holter's side projects together. Yeah, he has, um, I, um, and Wikipedia does a good job of breaking down the stuff they were doing mm-hmm. on their own, with, uh, within their own merits, um, while still being together for that project. But, uh... If you are a, a house music person, like you know, you you recognize the influence he's had on a couple other bands. Like there's um, there's a song by Stardust. Music music sounds better with you. They they came, him and two other um, French DJs came together to make one song and then they disbanded after to focus on their stuff. That's a great popular song. Um, and then they both own their own record labels themselves that they they push under. Um. Yeah, because originally they were originally and then they went to Columbia, right? Yeah. Was Columbia like the last studio that they... Uh, I think so. They Here you really go. work with? Because you um, said that they had like their own labels or something. Well, yeah, but when when you have your own labels, you can also be just subsidiaries for other ones. So like, because mm-hmm. there's only like four or five major ones and the rest are just subsidiaries. So like, good music is under, um, for example, Kanye's good music is under, uh, fuck, Def Jam, which is under, uh... Def Jam's under Columbia, I think, or Rista, one of those. But you see them kind of move on to when they started doing Random Access Memories, and I still can't believe it's 2013 uh, that that was actually on. But for them to move on to that, and then earning their their Grammy for their own um, live album, and then taking elements from other things to kind of put together their their last studio debut album, which was Random Access Memories. Um, but just on the Wikipedia page, there's they they talk about and they cover a section with their final projects and later on their as we know of as of yesterday their disbandment right. So like I mentioned earlier, they did tracks with the weekend, uh, one preferably being Starboy, which was very popular in the charts and it featured them and the song later hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100. So that actually became Daft Punk's first number one song in the U.S. ever. And then they released a second one I call I Feel It Coming, and also that featured Daft Punk, which peaked at number four. Um, and then they both appeared in that Starboy album. But throughout the end of 2016, rumors began to surface that Daft Punk was going to come back for an Alive 2017 tour, which that'd be 10 years after 2007, which went nuts, right? We're still waiting, but I don't think it'll ever happen. Um, but in September 2016, the rumors led to Pitchfork reporting that Daft Punk had no plans for a future tour. Um... And there's some like a fake fan website was created <laughs> in October 2016 that featured a blank page with the text reading alive in plain text. Within the website coding were geo coordinates based in Paris, LA, London, New York, Tokyo, Sao Paulo, Ibiza, and Indio, which is the last location of Co- which is the, that Indio is Indio, California, which is the location of Coachella, um, which is where they played their uh, one a, a set in 2006. Um, but you see, they've they've done pop up shops to sell their memorabilia, merchandise. They 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 also performed with the weekend at the 59th annual Grammy Awards on, on 2017. Uh, they were both up there. It was kind of cool. Uh, and then in 2017, they started doing stuff with a band I'm familiar with called Parcels. Their song Overnight was produced and co-written by Daft Punk. And then they in 2019 they announced that they would launch an electronic art exhibition at the Philharmonic in Paris. Oh wow! Featuring various costumes, guitars, and other fixtures based on the theme of the duo's song Technologic. Um, 
So as of last year, an Italian filmmaker, Dario Argento, stated that Daft Punk had reached out to him with a desire to make the soundtrack for his upcoming film, Black Glasses. The producers of the film have since clarified that no formal deal had been made, and the public relations from film firm that's behind Daft Punk also stated that they are not associated with the film. And then that's which led to Epilogue being released. Uh... Featuring a scene from their their actual from their their 2006 film Electromama, or Electroma. In the video, the pair bid each other farewell in the desert before the silver robot representing Van Galtier walks away and explodes. A title card in the video reads 93 to 2021. Later that day, their longtime publicist Catherine Fraser confirmed that they had split, but did not give a reason. Yeah. Um. Fuck. So there's um. There's also one thing. I really like that he, which kind of goes with, um, they, they kind of, because the big thing I think also which kind of helped to give them such a big, which made them iconoclastic is the fact that they kept, they kept their face hidden. Even in interviews, they, there was a, an interview I saw yesterday, a little video, they, they were talking but they put black face masks on top of their, like, they put these black bags on top of their heads so they wouldn't be seen. Yeah, it's kind of like, if you think about it, it's almost kind of like similar to like the Lucha Libre. Aspect, right, Where right. the wrestlers, they don't take their mask off when they're in public or anything. That's kind of similar, like, I mean, the only one that never, that only did it once was El Santo because that was like, he only did it for a few seconds on TV because I think that was when he was over towards the end of his life. Yeah, there's and a there's a couple quotes on and that then, too. Of course, yeah. So having that, I mean, I mean, gorillas. Do we really know what they're? I mean, gorillas is what like they're an animated. They're like, an animated band, man, but they're. But it's it's a, the guy who founded Blur from the nineties. Um, why the fuck am I slipping his name? Uh, he's one half. Um, um Damon Auburn. Uh, he he's one half of the gorillas, and then um, with his other. He has his other uh, partner who helps with animation, but um, I want to, to. I'm speaking on like people kind of maintaining that the uh, the illusion of covering their faces. Like he he they stated in a in a couple of in a couple of interviews uh, that they they once they started wearing like robotic headgear, metallic gloves for publicity shoots and stuff, they kind of got used to it, right? Mm-hmm. So. They have said that they have donned their robot outfits to easily merge the characteristics of humans and machines. Bang Alter later stated that the costumes were initially the result of shyness, but then it became exciting from the audience's point of view. It's the idea of being an average guy with some kind of superpower. When asked whether the duo expressed themselves differently with the robotic suits, Bang Alter stated that, no, we don't need to. It's not about having inhibitions. It's more like an advanced version of Glam, where it's definitely not you. With the release of Human After All, the music duo's outfits became light, slightly less complicated by consisting of black leather, jacket, and pants, and simplified versions of the Discovery headgear. The attire was designed by Heidi Silmane. Van Coulter stated that we never like to do the same thing twice. It's more fun and entertaining for us to do something different. Whether it's wearing masks or developing a persona that merges fiction and reality, we're happy to be given back to the masses. And then according to Van Coulter, the duo has a general rule of not appearing in videos. Although Daft Punk rarely grants interviews, Van Gulter aside as being the more the more talkative and opinionated of the duo. With regard to fame and stardom, he once said, We don't believe in the star system. We want to focus to be on the music. If we have to create an image, it must be an artificial image. That combination hides our physicality and also shows our view of the star system. It is not a compromise. We're not trying to separate the private side and the public side. 
It's just that we're a little embarrassed by the whole thing. We don't want to play the star system thing. We don't want to get recognized in the streets. Yes, everyone has accepted us using masks and photos so far, which makes us happy. Maybe sometimes people are a little bit disappointed, but that's the only way we want to do it. We think the music and the personal thing is a personal thing we can give. The rest is just about people taking themselves uh, seriously, which is all very boring sometimes. And in that same interview, they were also asked a question about if stardom can truly be avoided, which at these days, it's it's highly unlikely. It's very difficult if you get some notoriety in the public to ever somewhat get some fame and, and whatnot. Um, but I want to read another quote from that same interview. Yes, I think people understand what we're doing. I know many people who maybe like the way we are handling things. People understand that you don't need to be on the covers of magazines with your face to make good music. Painters or other artists, you don't know them, but you know what they're doing. We are very happy that the concept in itself is becoming famous. In France, you speak of Daft Punk, and I'm sure millions of people have heard of it. But less than a few thousand people know our face, which is the thing we're into. We can't control it, or we control it, but it's not us physically, our persons. We don't, run, we don't want to run into people who are the same age as us, shaking our hand and saying, Can I have your autograph? Because we think we're exactly like them, even girls. They can fall in love with your music, but not with you. You don't always have to compromise yourself to be successful. Um, the playing with masks just makes it funner, funnier. Pictures can be boring. We don't want all the rock and roll poses and attitudes. They're completely stupid and ridiculous today. <laughs> what? Um, and then it says, During the filming and promotion of Daft Punk's movie back in 2006, Electro, Electrama, which I gotta find. The duo went to great lengths to avoid showing their faces. Well, you see, and that's the interview I was referring to when they put the black bags on their heads. So while, while on set of the film, the duo chose to be interviewed with their backs turned. As reported in 06 of October, the band went as far as to wear the black cloths over their heads during a televised interview. During this interview, they noted that the use of cloth bags in particular had been a spontaneous decision, reflecting their willingness to experiment with their perceived image in the media. It is believed that their mystery and identity and elaborate nature of the disguises have added to their popularity. The iconic status of the robotic costumes have been compared to the makeup of, the, of Kiss and the leather jacket worn by Iggy Pop. Bangles are also noted that the mask gets very hot, but after wearing it along, as long as I have, I'm used to it. He later stated that the helmets in their current iteration are fitted with ventilators to prevent overheating. Oh, that's cool. So, like, they still continue wearing those uh, robot monikers even to this day from the last recent things being, at least from the public forefront, the, the weekend tracks and being a, making their appearance at the Grammys. Um, yeah, and then their album, they won, like, so many Grammys with uh, their, their recent album. Oh, yeah, and then they make their little cameo in um, Interstellar 5555 as well. And I was just like, it just reminds me, like, with the helmet, I forgot, the one with the gold one. I think um, the creator of My Hero Academia was a Daft Punk fan because I just pull up, because it, the, the way the helmet looks like, um, one of the characters, um, his name is Ciro. Um, he, um, his quirk is the tape one, but if you look at his um, helmet, you can tell he kind of, like, paid a little tribute to Daft oh, yeah. Punk a little bit, because you can bit. tell he is probably one of his musical influences. Because if you look at it, it's almost similar because you see you got that black. If you look at the hero costume, it's kind of got that black. But look at the helmet style, you can tell yeah. it's inspired by that punk. I wouldn't be surprised, like, a lot Because you can tell they probably got a lot of the robotic influences from, like, sci-fi as well. Because you probably could tell yeah. they're probably, like, sci-fi fans. It's, 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 um... And I kind of like for the fact, like you said, they tried their best to, like, not show their appearance in public. Um... Even when it comes to interviews, they kind of limit as many interviews as they can. And, but being committed to 
Because it reminds me of watching Young Rock yesterday, how that show and how the whole commit to the gimmick kind of, because that's, I was watching Young Rock, because it was the first episode of the pilot episode, and the whole thing that, the whole, the one phrase that kept like getting brought over again was commit to the gimmick. Meaning, always commit to the character you're trying to portray, and I kind of see where that punk was coming from, you know, the whole not showing your face, not trying to be recognized in public without your mask, and just keeping the whole aspect and that illusion of them being like robots or something, because the whole electronic music and the synthesize, it's almost like a gimmick of its own, basically, if you think about it. Yeah, and they, and they wanted to keep it going, because even like you said, even with them being shine, it kind of worked well for them, so they can kind of keep the focus on the music, and I think that's what's great about it, is that everything's so branded these days, and... Everyone, it's like the music kind of when when you're trying to be an artist like the fact that you're gonna have to have a social media presence mm -hmm. and, and what they call creating content right so yeah, sometimes putting right, stuff yeah. on YouTube whatever like they all have to like even with TikTok kind of being a big driver and influence on what music kind of gets pushed these days as, um, as far as popularity goes on the charts I, I love how they was strictly focused on the music they weren't part of that like oh let's make us a forefront i mean they said it right there like that's just so stupid like it's ridiculous and i think that's cool how they like they made the music being the focal point for them and then yeah keeping the robot moniker just like to connect electronics or equipment with with uh humans and and the influence between both of that is just it's it's so good like it just it's so yeah unique. it's kind of like with dead mouse where he wears the big mouse head yeah with the electronic mouse head like how he kept his face hidden most of the time when we, we did like shows and stuff. Yeah, no, and like, I, and that's a big deal. Like, I'm not saying everybody shouldn't have something to make them memorable because they are symbols, right? They, are, yeah. it does help mark, be, make you marketable, and that still stuff still goes today. It's like recognition as well. Yeah, because, uh, it's like brand recognition. Yeah, exactly. It's like you see the M. What's the first thing that comes to your mind when you see a giant golden M? Mm -hmm. What do you see? You see a giant golden egg. Oh, it's fucking McDonald's. But so they were Kiss. What's the one thing that draws Kiss? Not just the music. What's the one thing you recognize right away from Kiss? Their face paint styles. Mm -hmm. Same thing like with Swiss Sister, the big hair. You know, it's like, like, like I said, back in the eighties when you had all these big bands, they all had these big hair bands because they were all trying to come up with their, their unique look. Yeah, yeah, they were playing all rock, but they had to find a way to, you know be different you know try to be different from the previous band try to see hey what's our gimmick what we're we trying to promote here and like you said like you said with them with that punk you know having like i said earlier having that robotic ask because hey you're doing synthesized electronic style music try to find something that's kind of correlated with and related to it but at the same time you know you said they were trying to get with it they were too shy so they probably had a little social, you know, anxiety as well, too. And they're, they're trying to find a way to cope with that by coming up, you know, we're not going to show our face, but at least come up with something, you know, they're not going to recognize who we are, we look like on the inside, but at least they'll recognize by our music and what our brand is, despite the way our costumes are. Yeah, and, it, and it's it's it shows like just because how they're just how they were influenced by so many different people, and it, it showed within their music and later being able to collaborate with some of their influences must have been just a special. Uh, and considering that like French culture is a little different than ours, so for yeah. them to kind of being able to transcend that and still remain focused on the music and and kind of using them as as. as with each album coming out, they were so unique in its own right, and it helped because the focus was still there. And like, 
it's just how people can get so excited when a new, um, like, uh, fuck, I don't know. Like, for instance, we'll say if a new Kanye album gets dropped, right? Mm-hmm. Although he's been around for quite almost two decades now, but um, he, he, I'm sure that whatever project he drops, it's still gonna get people noticing, even with his antics and shit that yeah, he gets himself into. Like, yeah. he's always. He's someone who obviously doesn't shy away from the limelight. He, I think he likes it, but uh, his when he drops music, it's still very much... It, it still gets like... A, it's a ripple in the water, right? Mm-hmm. It makes waves. The same thing with... Like if Jay-Z, um, he just made a song with Nipsey Hussle, R.I.P., but, uh, for that Judas and, and uh, the Black Messiah movie. Mm-hmm. He, uh, it's actually a really great song. Um, but... It's like he hasn't made a full-length album in, in, uh, since 444 or 444, but that you know, was like almost three years ago now. But uh, like well, every, time, every time Jay-Z drops, it's something. Like, and these guys have been around the game for a while now, right? And so I'm su- assuming even with the, the disbandment of Daft Punk, I don't think it's the last of these guys. It's just uh, they're also not too young. <laughs> like they're they're pretty old now. Like they're they're they gotta be in their almost in their fifties by now. I'll look it up again. But they were they were fairly old. I mean, they've been doing music for a long time. Um, so it's 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 sad that the inf- the the news was dropped on a random or maybe random the sun, but on Monday, like it was obviously coordinated for them. Uh, but it, it's not going to be the last of them, I don't think. No, they're gonna still like, do well, stuff behind the scenes. They have yeah. been doing it for the I past. I mean, if they've been years. like doing composing and like you know, and working with other bands and being a producer. Yeah, it's like what Mark's uh, Mark's uh, Mars brought from Devo. No, the band does not together, but he does a lot of like. Music. Oh yeah, he still does. He still does, he still does composing. He does a lot of composing. He does a lot of like television, film. A lot of like his stuff is really good. I mean, I won't be surprised when you hear the names of in one of these individuals. On a film score or something like that, or even like being a, getting a producer credit on a band's upcoming album or something. So it's like, yeah, it sucks because think about it. They pretty much we pretty much grew up on their music, and it's like yeah, it kind of it, it kind of transcends with us because we grew up with them, listening to them. Yeah, there was like, nothing like it, and it was just amazing. So yeah, I'm, he's they're old, bro. <laughs> they're old. Well, they're not super old. Okay, so like, got. Yeah, Manuel is is forty seven. Okay, so they're like in their forties or almost. At their yeah, 40s, so. and then uh, Thomas Bangalter's forty six. So they so are, they're in their forties. They're up there, but they're still. But think about twenty eight years of working together. Like twenty eight years is a commitment to like that, and you know it's it takes a lot. Like I was watching, you know, kind of similar to like watching freaking. I was watching AEW's like tournament. They're doing this women's tournament, and they had a Japanese record. Freaking, they have Aja Kong, who. Currently, she's like 50, but she's wrestled for like 34 years, and she still moves good being a big competitor. She still moves good. She started when she was like 16 or something. Yeah. And she went in different stories. So you got to think, you know, but then at that point, it's like, that point, doing 28 years, it's like, wow. All we have, what, four albums? Four studio albums? Yeah, full, four full length, and then you yeah. have the Alive live album. Yeah, live album, but... Um, and then the two films, because um, there's supposed to be... there's gonna They're going to release a uh, documentary later this... Uh, I believe it's later this year. So maybe with that, there'll probably be more answers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I think assuming. I think with this epilogue, is, it was just saying like a good send-off on their terms, but like you said, with this documentary, we'll probably... It'll dive more deep why, what led to this to possibly... Yeah, 
Because you see, there's four studio albums. Homework, Discover Human After All, Random Access Memories, and then the soundtrack for Tron, and then two concert tours, which later were released as, as live albums. Um, but for only four albums in, in space between roughly, on average, three to five years, like it was a jump. So like, Homework being released in 97, but in between, from 93 to 97, they were releasing singles. Yeah, um, like and, and regular 40s. Yeah. Like they're just releasing records, and then, um, and then with the release of Discovery, that was twenty two thousand and one, and then Human that's After when one All. more time, yeah, that's when one more time. Mm-hmm. Kind of that video came out around two thousand one, and then um, Human After All didn't come off until two thousand and five, and then after that was Random Access Memories, which was eight years after, so twenty thirteen. So it's like there's with and then with regards to touring, and then look at like Tron Legacy in between when I was sat there at twenty ten. So it was damn, that movie's kind of old now. Holy shit. But like to eleven years old now. Yeah, there, there, there's so many people. There's so many people that like are influenced by them a lot, and like it's not going to change. I think it was cool. At least what I saw yesterday is a lot of um, producers and, and artists that I listen to and stuff. Uh, they're putting up their like, like tributes. Yeah, and stuff. putting up the memes too, how sad they are, and then putting like you know saying kind words of how influential they've been. Um, and just it, it's the truth it's like you kind of see I'm, I'm sure people felt the same way when the Beatles broke up right like yeah and, and they went their separate routes but um it, it's 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 really incredible to see um just the the influence and the run they've had for being together for so yeah 28 years imagine working with the same person for 28 years it's kind of crazy to think about and then you're able to kind of keep creative especially when you're working on something like music that's so like to try to understand where one person's creatively coming from and then the other person and like I try to put that together and to make solid stuff that you guys can both be proud of is is fucking difficult I think people don't don't like don't understand the nature of of being collaborative when it comes to like creating music as opposed to you kind of doing it yourself right Um, because then at least you can call the shots when you're by yourself but when you're working with another person who these are and like and like they said earlier like these are two guys who didn't like they didn't want the they're not here for the fame and all that shit like it says right here they were both they both met each other at attending the Lycée Carnot school together in 87 and they 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 both have a mutual fascination for films and music of the 60s and 70s so they were just and then that's when they met Lauren Brankowitz, the lead singer of Phoenix, and that's when they made that band, which is still blows my fucking mind. I can't, I can't believe it. What a smart! I band. didn't know that, dude. That, I can see why. That's why you notice if you listen to Phoenix, they have kind of. He oh has, yeah. He has that influence from them as well. Like if you hear most, if you guys ever listen to Phoenix, like well, they have some like that synth type in it because you can tell it's based on you know the lead singers probably worked with that punk back in their day. I think he did that as more of an influence and also as a tribute to the guys. Like, hey, we worked together, you know. And they pay homage to you, you know. Yeah, they, they, um... So it's I just, just pull up, like, a lot of the Twitter reactions to Yeah. It. I pull up this one from Porter Robinson. Oh, nice. Um, I think he tweeted it twice, and he put a picture from the from the film, Interstellar 555. Um, this is what he put, he put, thinking about how every stage of my life would have gone so differently if it weren't for Daft Punk. Yeah. I like Paul Robson. I love his music. His music's great. I can tell he has a lot of influence from them as well. Since they're thinking about being 11, exploring, oh my god, LimeWire. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> hey, guys, remember LimeWire? Uh, 
Sí. Oh, okay. Exploring LimeWire, searching depth on music videos and seeing Interstellar 555 piece by piece. Seeing that feature on electronic music anime for the first time. Oh, damn, I'm crying. He's got the picture from there. Yeah, it's because it's just sad. I always wanted to see them come back and do a show. Zed, I never got to see them. Zed and Nutter. He said, Death Black Discovery was the first album I ever bought. One More Time is the first Lyra Sucks song I ever fell in love with. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Daft Punk. Long live the kings that paved the way for EDM. You yeah. think about it, they're one of the pioneers for EDM. Mm-hmm. I would imagine, yeah, they're one of the pioneers. Um, no, pull another one. Alesso, thank you, Daft Punk, for everything. We miss you. Hashtag legends. Mark Ronson. Daft Punk left the game with a flawless legacy. I would say inevitable, but impossibly untainable is more appropriate. Disclosure. The greatest, oh, nice. the greatest to ever do it. Words can't describe the inspiration and knowledge we gained from listening to the two robots over the years. Wish them nothing but good energy and positive future. Thank you for everything, Guy and Thomas. Unreal. Dylan Francis. Daft Punk breaking up a hit's heart. I found their music on Carson Network when I was like 12 because they played the harder, better, faster, stronger music video. Fell in love with them and saw them live at their first Coachella performance. Thank you yeah. for all the music and inspiration. Those are six. Damn. Yeah, it's a big, you know. Yeah, it's yeah, it's nothing but thank you for the memories, thank you for the music. So it's a lot of, like uh, Frenchie. I guess this one Twitter user Frenchie as a French producer. It's hard to describe the huge impact that Paul had on my life, my music, and my career. Thank you for firm changing landscape of music. It's a picture of them. So, I wouldn't be surprised a lot of EDM artists are going to do, like, tributes to them. I wouldn't even imagine. Uh, we'll probably, like, like, the next, like, few weeks or so, you're going to hear nothing but, like, homages to that punk. Like, a lot of EDM artists are going to... I wouldn't be surprised they'll, they'll start, like, doing tributes to them as well. And I wouldn't be surprised. You said they're... I don't even... I wouldn't be surprised they'll be put into the Hall of Fame here, to the Music Hall of Fame here. I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, yeah, they probably will. They probably will be inducted later on. And, like I said... Like I said, you know, it sucks after 20 years of breaking up, but at the same time, like, I kind of understand, you know, they probably want to work on other things, other projects, or take a break for right now. And, you know, like I said, they could do the way and just being, like, composers for films or do collaborations or even do, like, producer work for other bands. Oh, he's he's a guitarist. I would imagine them probably doing, like, a class or something, even a oh, master class. That'd be... It'd be awesome they do a master class. Just so they could... I, was, <laughs> I could imagine seeing that as well. That'd be cool, but holy shit. <laughs> I can imagine that. Uh, so, guys, it's been all about that punk, but hey, that's something that hit us hard. It's <laughs> because we grew up on the music, so... And like I said, we never talk about much about music on the podcast. You know, we are a pop culture-centric podcast, so it's like... Something we wanted like to bring up and discuss first thing and then this yesterday in the morning when I saw them like holy cow you know when I saw them someone shared their social media saying oh that pump breaks up I, was, I even looked at that blog video which what a way to go in terms of saying hey we're splitting yep. to me that was like oh my god it like hit me hard yesterday I was like jeez you know it's like I said we'll see what happens like I said sometimes they'll say never say never. That's the old game, the old saying, never say never. Yeah. I'm always surprised, you know, they take their time and they'll come back and do something just to say, you know, one final send off with the fans. But I think too with the pandemic kind of like, 
I think the pandemic kind of played a factor as well because, you know, they probably, they probably were planning to do at least one last show or something together. But, of course, with the pandemic, it kind of makes it hard. Yeah, I mean, we're going to... There's there's still some things being... Like, as far as shows go, they're still being somewhat reduced in, in some areas like that we see them kind of... Or got pushed back to, like, the following years. Yeah, and, and there's some places that are still having shows and stuff, but it's very limited compared to, like, big festivals from the past. Uh, so, yeah. like, I don't know if we'll... I think we'll see that happen more or less uh, next year than maybe later down the line here, but, like, I, I see a lot of those shows still being held, like, in Vegas and Florida. Um, maybe maybe Austin will get their Austin City Limits come back and be south by southwest and come back again but that's that's it's just with there's like there's so many spikes going on again and, and yeah. like it doesn't seem like there's going to be an end in sight for the near future but i think what is good is that as much as these artists do want to go out and and get things going and 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 you know they're they make the majority of money from touring so it's kind of it does put a damper on wanting to not only create a live show or like some of these people had to postpone um when they made album drops from last year they have to come back on tour and do like uh, a tour for that specific album that was a year ago and with things moving fast every day here when we're getting bombarded with information like some people would rather maybe hear some new stuff putting pushed out as opposed to them kind of circulating a tour around the previous album like you can mm-hmm. we see artists only focusing on on dropping singles as opposed to albums and now we yeah. don't know if now we don't even know if the album has as much power anymore as, as an artist just dropping a single every few months or and i think that's what uh is interesting about the music landscape these days is that it's it's even when you have algorithms playing to your favor, it's still very difficult to be remain on the up and up on, compared to uh, maybe 15 years ago, um, where music blogs and things like that were still very much a a good uh, uh, or magazines, right? But like, and then of course when MTV just got music. <laughs> yeah, but even then, like MTV was already shying away once reality TV took off in the 2000. Like, they were already fucking around and not playing any music so like i think music blogs played a big role in, in getting people uh curating yeah i guess you could say stuff that you should check out and and i, I for one would spend hours doing that after school so like comparing it's now to where i'm letting i'm letting an algorithm kind of do it for me but then at the same time i'm kind of like oh shit they just dropped something yeah and then it's like you kind of i don't i don't have the same enamor anymore to want to go through it like i'll stick to listening to the shit i, I like I'm familiar with but then like yeah. it's like I used to be so I used to love music discovery so much and now it's just kind of I think with with the not the lack of promotion by any means but with the with the it, there's just so much music out there these days and especially when you kind of let which I do like is that you let artists kind of being able to distribute their stuff on multiple platforms and multiple, and multiple streaming services that like it makes it great that there's bar- there's not a big barrier of entry that there was in the past, but then it's also so much that like it's saddening that you're never going to listen to all the music that exists in the world. Yeah, you're just not. Um, and it's like the same thing with movies, right? It, it, it all kind of correlates, and uh, I, I I like that these guys kind of did their piece. They took their time as opposed to like oh let's make one album one year. 
uh, we'll do a couple singles and then an album next and then yada 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 like they did they just stuck to what they felt was right they didn't they stuck on the music like they still were doing their stuff on the side um they have both of them had separate labels that they were still helping people produce like i saw a thing right here that uh that guy home helped a contribute to a song that's on um well not the weekend's newest album but the one before that the uh, the i think it's my dear melancholy mm-hmm. uh he contributed to a, a collaboration between gasafelstein which is also another french house uh, music artist and and the weekend for a song they did together and like he even look at even in 2020 um guy home he he uh curated a playlist for a star of a hero an italian brand medea containing tracks from the beach boys the weekend george duke and thundercat and etc many more so it's like they they still do stuff like he's got kids like i don't know if Tom, tomas does but he has kids they said like they're ne- never had any interest in being celebrities or discussing their private lives and the rare events for interviews they just do the majority of talking with journalists because they just like mm-hmm. he he I, and there's a thing he says here I would really like is that um, they asked they asked him like when it comes to working with or collaborating with artists like he sees it as a matter in timing and creativity rather than just getting the fame and opportunity. Um, it says like it just depends on when I want what we're doing at the time. I don't know. These are all just considerations you're talking about. But yes, it just depends on the moment you get asked, and if you feel it and you feel something creative that you can do it and it's possible. For everything that we're asked to do, if we have a creative answer and we think we can bring something to a project, then we can just do it. But we haven't, we don't have any ideas or don't think we can push the envelope by creating with anybody. Um, if you take Sebastian Tellier, for example, he's one of our few collaborations where I had this idea that I could do something and bring something to it. But it's all the moment and the situation which feels right to us when we feel we do it and when we have the time. There's just too many factors. So I think that's what speaks highly of, of, um, of creating art. It's not as it's all based on feeling in, in the moment and not necessarily like we have to do it. We have to. And I think that's what sucks about the music industry and it's that the labels push, 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 push. And like they don't sometimes they don't let these guys breathe. And, and I think that's the positive. I think, yeah, I think what, like you said, it does work because now with the pandemic, so it's like they, I think they don't feel as pressure as they are now. Yeah, they can do what they want right now. Or they can take their time and when they want to release, they want to release stuff. It's a... And two, it takes time for them to reflect themselves. Like, you know, think about before the pandemic, when we were on tours, you know, I couldn't imagine. Yeah, you perform for your audience, but I couldn't imagine the stress you had to go to, like, travel from city to city, yeah, or flying from country to country, dealing with all the time changes, you know, the jet lag, you know, and of course, you've got the press following you around, so you had to limit privacy. Versus now in the pandemic, that's why it's very few artists are either doing gigs or just doing stuff online at home or something, or doing virtual like performances and stuff or limiting where they're going to be at. It's like with Foo Fighters, you know, when I saw, when they were playing their newer songs, I saw an SNL. Yeah. Because that's the only time you're going to see your, these bands actually come out and travel to perform is usually you're on a talk show or something or a late night sketch show or even sometimes on the So when they're promoting something. They're promoting something. Yeah. That's the only time you're going to see them. But it's like, that's cool and all, but I can see by watching the like watching like Foo Fighters performance that time, they were more relaxed. They weren't like pressure or anything. Like they were like I don't know, seeing they rolling like that. They were like more relaxed. They weren't like you know stressed out or pressured. Because not having a tour, but at the same time, I could imagine they're all itching to go out and travel again. Yeah, but at the same time, you gotta you gotta think you gotta think from a 
cautious standpoint that you gotta watch out because not every person is following the same direction. Yeah, and they all have different things in their lives that they gotta take care of. Like, they have families, kids, like these are all pretty older guys who've been in this scene for so long. So like, they, they, they have their life outside of just being at the whims of, of I guess, the fans, right? Like, the fans are one thing, and, and if they are a fan, they'll just, they'll be happy to see anything that happens that they create, and, and like, it, and that speaks highly on them, on their part, that they didn't want to create something that they felt was just because, like, they had to, it had to be creative on their end, and, and it still had to have their own touch to it, um, but, so, and they mentioned it, it's like, they wanted, every time they're approached to new electronic music, it had to be something different for them and based on their old influences and just putting that all together. So it's just, it speaks of their, their craft and the artistry that they wanted to come with. It speaks of the product. Uh, and, 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 and like I mentioned before, the the music industry is, is uh, fucking churn and, and it, it really spits people out, unfortunately. But I think it's what's also great about the internet is that changed everything. Um, that you can you can find your your fan base within different channels, and it's not just because of what the labels give you. You can you can do it yourself. I mean, we see plenty of artists who blew up on SoundCloud kind of come up uh, to what they are now, and, and and yeah, you know, you gotta do what's best for your success too. So I don't I don't I don't blame them for signing major labels and whatnot, but it's just that it's it's good that you're able to kind of create a. A lane for yourself, mm-hmm. and there's so many different. Uh, it's not just one genre, right? There's so many fans for so many different things now. It's not just rock and pop, and that's it. Like there's too, you know, there's so, so many. Much, yeah. yeah, and it's great. I think it's 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 that's what that's what artistry should be. It, it shouldn't just be what the Madonnas are putting up front, or in this case, like what the Katy Perry's and the Gaga's and all that shit is. Like I don't, I, not no disrespect to them. It's just like that that bubblegum pop stuff doesn't like. I don't think it really flies anymore. It's like you, you turn on the radio and it's it's. I'm not saying it's not there. I mean, it's there. It's just it's not the. We we see so much. There's so much different songs that are getting the number ones. I mean, you'll get like. I mean, look at Little Nas X. <laughs> he got a weird country pop rap song. Yeah, it became one of the hottest things. So yeah, it's, it's like, like why commercials like fuck. You're like yeah, like people. That's what I like about it. That's surprising. It's not like it was back then. Like we're. Uh, when we have maybe like, um, like well, we had that the whole changes with the boy bands and, and Britney Spears. And oh stuff, yeah, when boy bands became a thing back yeah. then. And so like, think about that. They were they were going through that phase as well. With that was the mainstream. But and then, then when like when Lincoln Park broke out, it's when new metal. Right. Yeah. That, that became that a collaboration of rock, electronic, and. Having like that DJ influence as a backing track that 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 broke the mainstream of rock, it kind of helped with the alternative because it's like because that mean that was another genre of rock. Mm-hmm. That was another genre, like you said. There's so many different genres that people could be behind. But it's like like you said, it's like it's just all about you know what your taste is basically. It's all about your taste. It's basically what what you prefer to. Yeah. It's like corn. They, they collaborate with Skrillex. You know, same thing. There's, they, they, that's why there's like a lot. Of, that's why I do like about music is you can do so many collaborations. You work for so many people that you're able to like. There's so many you can work together. That's why I like. Sometimes I like music from that standpoint that you can be able to work with others. You know, because you're in the same industry, you want to create something that's wonderful, something that people be talking about or listening to. That's all what it is. And I was like, I just pulled up this article from IGN. 
um, uh, supposedly Daft, is the headline was Daft Punk wanted to work on a luminous music game, but Tron got in the way. What kind of Ben says here? The article was written by Joseph Newt. Um, of course, when they announced the breakup, this article was written yesterday. Um, it says here, one fan is Q Entertainment producer James Milkier, who took to Twitter to reflect how the team almost got to make a, a Luminous game, music game, with Daft Punk. I don't know if you remember Luminous. It's like that one game for like PlayStation 2 where you play beats and stuff. They try to match the thing with the beat. Mm-hmm. It says here, originally pitched as Daft Punk, Luminous, Melky, and Q Entertainment managed to get the project going by Ubisoft in 2010. I'm reading from the article, guys. But by this time, Daft Punk already became a household name in electronic music circles. It will only grow bigger with the release of Trilogy soundtrack and Ryan Max's Memories album. Melky originally wrote about the project Genesis in 2012. Blog posts describing how his journey to reboot the Luminous franchise originally a PSP launch show. Ryan bombed the concept of Daft Punk. He said here, this is what he said. What I wanted to do was put the player in the cockpit of Daft Punk's pyramid-shaped DJ booth that they could tour with, and as Daft Punk rocked the crowd by performing big combos in Luminous. Melky wrote, everything in the game was going to be Daft Punkified, from HUD to the soundtrack to the brand... Basie Aura ambiance found in their 2007 Alive album to the special effects, real-time lighting, balancing 3D crowd, etc. It says here, despite having already met Kieran and Tim, creative director Tetsuya Mizuguchi and being fans of Mizuguchi or Tom Rez, a few Roblox kept that pump from being able to commit to the project. According to Melky, the DJs didn't want to use old music. Had just wrapped up production on Tron Legacy and were beginning to work on Rand Max's memories in between Adidas and Star Wars collaborations. This forced Kieran and Tim to move on to a different direction that eventually became Luminous Electronic Symphony. Because hmm. Luminous is basically almost like a combination of um, Tetris and music. That's basically what it was. It was like, kind of like Tetris, but with beats. But as you can see here, they wanted to work with them, but that punk already, they didn't want to like, I understand, they want to keep working on something new. But when I told them that quote is, they were interested in the project, but after working on Tron and, you know, and making out of they want to go back to the old stuff. Because I understand from like an artist standpoint that they want to create something new instead of going back to the classics. Yeah. But it would have been nice. But I never played Luminous, so I don't know if you guys ever got to play it. It's like a puzzle game. I think it's more like almost like a combination of Tetris and like um, music, basically. It's definitely. Um, Well, of course, you did see him in DJ Hero, though. So, if you ever have the lucky, if you guys have DJ Hero, I wouldn't be surprised right now if you guys still have DJ Hero. You're probably breaking it out and playing Daft Punk songs on DJ Hero. Um, but, yeah. Um, it sucks, but, you know, here's to you guys, Daft Punk. Thank you so much for providing electronic music and being one of the pioneers of EDM to a generation for over 28 years. You know, salute, rest up. We'll see you guys down the road. We'll hear you guys down the road. Yeah. More appropriately. Um, anything else you want to add, Biko, before we wrap up? Um, please, please, if you guys aren't too familiar with Daft Punk or if you want to get into Daft Punk, please, I, I highly suggest you listen um, on all streaming platforms. Listen to your music from the back then. Um, definitely work your way up to homework, work your way up to discovery, being the very one. But listen, watch, I, I would highly suggest watching Interstellar 5555 with, with, um, Discovery kind of not only playing the background because there are certain a couple songs that they've made to go with the film, um, along with the film at least. But definitely listen to that album back to back to front or front to back because it's it's truly a it, it truly tells a story and it's so good. Um, 
and then work your way up to random access memories and, and so forth. Uh, and just uh, thank you so much, that Funk. And uh, just if you guys want to get into electronic music, there's just so much out there. That, there's so many people influenced by them. Um, yours truly is influenced by them tremendously. And so there's just, it's it's a sad day, but it's it's also something that I understand. And, and I guess it does suck because I won't get to see them live ever again. So that kind of hurts. But at the same time, it's cool because I always watch their live set. That's probably one of the best ones. You can definitely see their production style when it comes to shows. Uh, but yeah, keep watching out there for pop culture, guys, because uh, we wanted to focus on that because not a lot of, um, I'm not saying not a lot of stuff happened, but um, we want to really focus on that being kind of a big thing because it it, 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 it it shocked the music world, I want to say, for a lot of people. Um, and it was nice to see kind of people pay their respects and, and how influenced they were by them, by the robots, and we'll miss you guys. Yeah. yeah, so definitely check out those offer recommendations that Biko gave you guys. So de- definitely check out Interstellar 555 if you're a big fan of anime and good music. And like I said, to me, that's how I got into them based on the collaboration works of that. But definitely check out Interstellar 5555. Definitely check it out. And then definitely check out their albums. Their albums are so good. So especially the Tron Legacy album. I mean, them doing a film. Do you got soundtrack for a film? Yeah, Electrorama. Yeah, definitely out. check out Electrorama. Definitely check it out. Watch Tron Legacy. I know it's not as good, but watch it for the visuals and the music. Yeah, the music's pretty good. The music's pretty good. Hopefully, check it out. It's on Disney+. Plus. Same thing with the original Tron. Check that out as well. All right, guys. That's it for our music-centric episode. We'll probably come back and we music again. Um, thank you so much for listening this week. Um, make sure to follow us on socials at PopTalkin on Twitter. Facebook.com slash talk and pop. Check out our merch store at teespring.com slash store slash talk and pop for merch. Um, make sure to support us on Anchor. You can also follow us on Spotify, Google, Apple, iHeartRadio, Pandora. Um, you can follow me if you want. I also have a gaming channel on twitch.tv slash franchise 685. I do a lot of like Japanese and role-playing games and story-based games, visual novel games. Make sure to follow me on there. I usually stream usually once or twice a week, um, depending on how my work schedule is. Um, if you want to follow me personally on Twitter, it's at the franchise eighty five. Biko, do you want to share your socials? Um, yeah, uh, if you guys want to follow my Instagram page, that's probably the only thing I use. Um, it's uh, at the wander underscore the underscore void. Uh, I have a music link on there if you guys want to check it out. I'm going to be working on some new stuff that I want to upload, but for the m- most part, uh, yeah, please, I would I would love to get a follower just to like when people listening to my stuff uh, as more things come out. And uh, yeah, please, 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 please check out our site. It really helps us a lot and helps support the podcast and just check out the cool merch we have. Uh, but yeah, just hopefully you guys have a good week. We'll see you guys next Tuesday, and uh, try not to uh, stay down. Don't worry, guys. Winter is almost over. Yeah. We're almost there. We're in the home stretch. It'll be nice again. Yeah, we'll be so we'll make it through. We'll make it through, guys. And people in Texas right now, hopefully you guys, I know you guys are starting to get your power back on. Hope you guys are doing well. I know we got family in Texas. I wanted to say that before we wrap up, that, mm-hmm. you know, be safe. Um, make sure, you know, wear your mask, social distance, take care of yourselves. Like Biko said, we'll see you guys next week. As always, geek on and take care.
Hey, it's the franchise from Talking Pop with the franchise and Biko. Just let you know, we have a storefront. It's teespring.com slash Talking Pop. We got shirts. We got tank tops for men, women, kids. We also got hoodies and sweatshirts. Um, we actually have coffee mugs and we have an iPhone case and a Samsung case with the Popstronaut logo on there. Also, we have stickers so you can put on your locker, on your laptop, wherever you want to put those stickers on there. So right now, if you go to teespring.com slash TalkingPop, and when you go to check out, use the promo code TalkPop and save $5 on your order. Support the podcast. As always, geek on and take care.